there's a personal admonition in, in what she's praying for. And it's uh, it's a calling for intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. It's a calling for intimacy with the Spirit of the living God. Because He paid a terrible price, you know. He paid a price so that we could have a connection with Him. He paid a price so that we could know Him. This is eternal life, that you may know Him, right? And know Jesus Christ whom He sent. And to know Him is... To, to have faith and trust in Him. And, and Jesus is our ultimate example of that. Because you have to understand, he, he, he laid down His divinity. He was a man here. And I can't imagine as a 30-year-old man, I mean, a 30-year-old, his life was not his own. He knew what was ahead of him, and he continued on in obedience. And he says, I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to raise it up again. And he made the choice by obedience to step into that place for you and I. And not only that, he chose to go to death (laughs) trusting God. I'm trusting you. You're not going to let me. You're not going to leave me here. I'm trusting you, Father. That's a lot of faith. Amen. Never. (laughs) That's a lot of faith. He was trusting God. But that trust. And this is where we have to divide the difference because your grace and your standing and your righteousness isn't earned, right? It's not earned. He paid the price for it. But you cannot fake trust. And you cannot fake faith. And you can't fake a real relationship with God. And you can't fake walking out a life that pleases Him. You can't fake those things. And so, there's a call to intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. (laughs) That what He gave you lines up with what you're walking that the fellowship he provided is actually occurring. And one of the things that the Lord is continually wooing on people's hearts, and it's supposed to continue in church, it's supposed to continue in personal life, it's know me. Know me. Are you afraid? Know me. Are you anxious? Cast your cares on me. Trust. And and trust can't be taught. It has to be experienced. It has to be lived. It has to be walked out. My wife and I, even even in our dating years, we we probably took two years to get to know each other. And there were things that would pop up in our in our dating time. People would say things, and we didn't know each other well enough. And and so uh, somebody said something about Natalie once, threw me for a loop, and I'm like, oh, do I know this person? (laughs) I'm not sure I know who you are anymore. You know. And we had to work those things out. Now, somebody come, somebody come tell me what somebody told me, you know, when we were that first year with dating. If that person would come up to me now and say such and such and such and such about my wife, I'm like, no, I don't think you know my wife, you know. That's trust. That's establishment. And that's what God wants you to have with Him. Amen. I, uh, 
I've been endeavoring to read more, and uh, one of the books I read this year was uh, George Mueller's book. Uh, anybody heard of George Mueller? If you haven't, you should look him up. Uh, and it, actually, he produced quite a big work. He produced several volumes like of, of all of his journals and writings and things. But, but there's this little book you can buy that condenses down a lot of his life. And, and um, he founded, I don't know how many orphanages now, but it was on the order of thousands of children that he took care of in England. And he did it on faith. Never once, never once did he ask a single soul for a dollar. Or a pound, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, and even when there was um, circumstantial, um, how do I put it? There was circumstantial reason. So was, uh, I remember this one story I read where they were going to have their annual report about their business. You know, all the uh, goings on and, and it, it showed how short on funds they were. And he did not want... God's glory to be taken from him. So he's like, let's withhold the annual report for the moment because I don't want it to look like an appeasement letter. I don't want it to be broadcasted out to everybody that, hey, look, these orphanages are short on money and if it gets out, everybody's going to give us, let the Lord do it. You know? And the Lord did it. And it's incredible. I mean, if you read his life, how they'd be short. They needed 50 pounds for food tomorrow. Somebody would come give him the money. You know, it's just amazing. Testimony after testimony. He says, he says, I'm, God is not calling everybody to live this way, but he says he called me to live this way, to be a testimony that God would provide your needs. And if God calls you somewhere, he will do, he will be there to meet your needs. So there is a grace and a provision for what God has called you to do. And his whole life is a testimony to that singular truth, that singular truth. And, um, I remember where I was going with all this mention in George Mueller. He had an appointment, in, I believe it was in America, and he, he had to get on a boat. And there was such tremendous fog uh, that the captain says, I've never seen fog like this. We're not going to make it when you think we're going to make it. And uh, I wish I had the story in front of me. But the bottom line was, uh, he says, uh, George Mueller, he went down into the bottom of the ship. He says, give me five minutes, I'll pray. And so he went down and prayed, and uh, and he came back up, and he says, um, he says, uh, this, um, oh my gosh, I'm butchering the story. <laughs> the bottom line was, within five to ten minutes, all that fog cleared, and they were able to go. And and he told the captain, he says, never in all my life has God gave me an appointment to keep that I have not kept. And I believe God has given me this appointment. We're going to pray. And the captain recounting this story said he said he prayed the simplest prayer. It was almost childlike. He said, God, please remove the fog in five minutes. <laughs> Thank you, George. You know, it was just such a simple story, simple prayer. But that's trust. That's trust. And that walked out trust. This man had seen God come through for him. He didn't just read about it. He, he saw God come through for him day in, day out, day in, day out. Fog is not a big deal to God. <laughs> right? He stared down this barrel all of his life, and this captain was just blown away by his faith. And you can't fake that. You can't earn that. You have to walk it out. Amen.
I think we're going to continue talking about identity today. Everybody say identity. That's all my heart is on right now, is identity. And um, how many of you know we get our identity ultimately from God our Father, right? You are not who you used to be. You're not a better version of your old self. (laughs) You were... You were alive, but then you died with Christ and you were raised a new creature in Christ Jesus. See? Now, we could go and compare histories, you and I. I've got a really great history. I was raised here in this church. My parents, I'm not saying everything was perfect and they never fought. They did. Okay. But as far as a good sound footing goes, I had a good sound footing. I was raised in a stable home where I knew my parents loved me. I had decent friends. They didn't drink. They didn't do drugs. You know, we maybe raced cars every once in a while, but that was about it. You know, it was a good, it was a good upbringing. Now you may say, well, see, you've got a better footing in life because of your parents. And that's in one respect. I understand completely what you're saying. I don't have to overcome addictions. My dad cut him off. But I will give you, my dad cut him off. He, he, he could have been an alcoholic. Okay? He could have been a, a, an abuser. That was what his dad was. But my dad got saved. Everybody say saved. And see, that is what salvation does. Amen. So to, for me and you to compare histories is a waste of time. Because you died. And a dead man doesn't get to have any right in your life. Right. So if you died with Christ, your history died with you. You, That is not your story anymore. Mm -hmm. Everybody's concerned about their story. Your story died with Christ. The new story of who you are is you're risen with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. Present tense. Your life right now is hid with Christ in God. Set your affections on things above then. So when we make allowances and we try to drag our past, everybody say past. We try to drag the, the things that we went through. We try to drag the, the problems that we caught, we've carried into Christianity. We, we try to drag those things into our present life and we try to justify them and say, these are reasons why you and I, we're still overcoming things. Look, I understand that there is a level of process in the sense that it does take a little bit of time and it does take faith to believe you're a different person, but you died with Christ. And walking out that victory is not a process in the sense of personal growth, like I'm gradually changing. It is a revealing and a revelation of who Christ has already made you to be. When you got born again, you became changed. And the rest of your walk is unboxing and believing and walking in what he gave you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You are not a Christian. I'm trying to. Some of these things that I'm, I'm beginning to preach they're they're a little bit new for me, too. And they're new because it's the first time I'm saying them. So bear with me if I stumble a little bit, but hear my heart, okay? Don't pick me apart. 
You have to be severe in how you see yourself. And your identity has to be rooted and grounded in this. Christ Jesus. I identify with who Christ is in me. I look to the word to see who I am. Okay. If you still right now, let's say you just came to church this morning. And you had an angry fit. (laughs) Are you saved? Yeah, you're saved. You're 100% saved. Don't justify the angry fit. Don't justify the strife. Don't justify bitterness and offense. Okay? Those things died with Christ. You mortify them by obeying and believing the gospel. You get a different self-image by looking at the word of God and being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Right? Prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We don't get saved and wait for glory to put off our frailty. The only frailty that we put off is this body that is passing away. Amen. Everybody's body is passing away. You can't help that. Nobody has ever been able to help that. Okay. But what you do is renew yourself on the inside day by day. You're staying close to Jesus. You're following him. And you are matching. Your habits are matching. Your behaviors are matching the identity that he gave you as a free gift. Your identity is not separate from what you do. There is a teaching and it's in the body of Christ. And it is, it's really strong in a lot of places where they, they lift up the free gift. And I hear people comment on, on, on YouTube videos and, and social media all the time about how it's Jesus work plus nothing. And that sounds good. But what they mean is all I got to do is believe Jesus did it. And I can sin like a snake. And it's okay. That's what they mean. That's exactly what they mean. And I'm here to tell you, they have a root of... If you Honestly, if you read your Bible, you'd have a root awakening. You'd have a root awakening if you read your Bible. Okay? Because Jesus said, A good tree bears good fruit. A good tree doesn't justify the bad fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. Everybody with me? Okay. Paul said, if you live by the Spirit, or let's walk. Everybody say walk. You're going to walk by the Spirit. James said, faith without works is dead. See? So you say, I have faith. And you have works. He says, I'll show you my faith by my works. In fact, works are another way of professing your faith. I would go so far as to say, if you're saying you are righteous and you're living in sin. You have no faith. You have no faith. Because your life is a testament that you don't believe about yourself. What Christ believes about you. Everybody follow me. Now, I can get behind somebody. I can. I can get behind somebody that is new and weak, Paul said, and still figuring out who they are in Christ and bear with them and recover them and strengthen them and encourage them. 
But we don't justify sin in the body of Christ. Amen. So we are to have an identity that is rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. And we are to have a walk that matches what we see. They're reciprocating. They're self-reinforcing. There is this feedback loop of you having an identity in Christ. But if you never have any behaviors that match that identity, you, it's really hard to believe yourself. When you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but you're treating everybody by, like dirt. <laughs> yeah, but you're not walking in fruit. You don't love people. You're really difficult to be around. <laughs> I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I'm just giving hypothetical examples. Right? And you start to, I mean, I, I would have a hard time believing that. Right? It would be similar to this. Okay, here's, here's a, a good example. Um, not, this isn't everybody's dream, but this is one of mine. I want to run a marathon someday. Okay? Now, you ask me. <laughs> you ask me. Are you a marathon runner? Ask me that. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't believe it about myself and I've never done it. Right? Now, it starts out as something that I believe I can do that. I believe that's me. Okay? But if I don't ever... Here's my point. I can go to the grave claiming, yeah, that's me. It's in my heart to do it. That's me. I... There is part of me that identifies with that. I want to be that. Do you run on a regular basis? No, I don't run on a regular basis. <laughs> Do you ever watch what you eat? No, I never watch what I eat. Do you see any dissonance between what you're saying <laughs> and how you're living? None whatsoever. <laughs> That's the body of Christ in a lot of places. And it's not okay. Amen. Sin is not okay. It's not okay. Let's go to Colossians. We'll just do some reading here. Colossians chapter 3. If you then be risen with Christ, and we all are, right? Here's the walking this out. Seek, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are Dead And anybody who believes and claims Christ, they have died and they are dead and they count their old life as nothing. Okay. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, well, then we shall appear also with him in glory. That's the hope. That's what we're all counting on. If Jesus would crack open the sky over here right now, I expect to be glorified with him. But the admonition in this scripture is that if you expect to be glorified with him, look at what he says. Okay, when Christ, who is our life, 
shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, mortify your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you have put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. That last verse there means absolutely nothing to us. Not in respect to what it meant to Paul and every other Jew. In order to be saved... It was, you had to be part of the Jewish people. You could not be outside of the people. Being one with the people and being uh, circumcised and holding on to the Torah and being able to have access to the temple, that was their identity. It was who they are. It was all they knew. And they clung to it for dear life because that was what the word of God told them to do. But when Christ came, Christ died in the place of every man, woman and child under the law and outside the law so that we might be made a new creature in Christ Jesus. And when he makes this profound statement from somebody that went from being a Pharisee who who completely embodied every precept of the law and saw their his his country. He was a patriot of his country. He saw his people being the people. This was God's chosen people. And here he is. He says, it is nothing now. It's nothing. It's Christ in all and through all. His identity went from something that was established in flesh to something that was established in the spirit. And each and every one of you, if you're going to cling to Christ, who you used to be has died. All of the, the family quabbles, all of the, the, the things that you used to have to deal with, all of the identity of what you went through, that story met the cross and you died. And it's not relevant anymore. Now, whether you don't believe it, <laughs> you believing it is really the question. Amen. You believing it. Everybody say, my believing it. And really believing it. My, my definition of believing it is not just agreement. It's walking it out. Because anything believed is done. Everybody say done. Everything believed is done. It is acted on. It is worked through. Okay. I can want to be a marathon runner all my life. I'm not until I do something about it. I can, I, we went fishing the other day and, and uh, I feel really comfortable now fly fishing. Okay, I took that up two or three years ago. My very first time, every time would ask me when they see my gear, they say, are you a fly fisherman? You know, I said, well, I'm learning. <laughs> Don't expect much of me right now. <laughs> if you were to ask me today, 
I would have no trouble at all going standing. I used to be so afraid of going on the creek and there was all these other fly fishermen there and they had all this expensive gear and they all knew what they were doing. And here I was trying to do it and I was just slapping the water with my hand. Don't look at me. I'd go find a quiet place to practice this, you know. I would not be afraid to do that at all because I have proved my work. I have tested it. And you ask me today, I can, I can stand here and say I walked it out. I'm a, I identify as a fly fisher person. <laughs> Does that make sense? See, there's something disassociated in our walk that, that's not God and it's not Christ. It's not okay to just trust Jesus. Those who trust Jesus obey His commandments. Everybody with me? If you hear His words, don't harden your heart as in the day of provocation. If He comes and speaks to you in your prayer time and He says, I've called you to the nations. You know, what what are you going to do with that? You can't just, you can't just sit and pray in church all your life. You might have to move. Amen. Hallelujah. There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on. Everybody say put on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Amen. A confession of faith is a good place to start. Confession. I am not an angry person. I'm a patient person. Right? Anybody have confessions that go like that? I'm a good steward of my finances. I budget everything. Okay? Those confessions need to translate into plans. Those confessions need to translate into changing your environment. If God has given you instructions about your health or your time and your home is a reminder. I don't know how to say that. If your home is set up to perpetuate the habits that God has asked you to stop, you need to change your environment. If your social life and your friends are set up to perpetuate bad habits, you need to change your friends. Those are the things God's asking you to do. You can confess till you're blue in the face, but if you don't actually do some things with what you're believing, you're going to have 
a good tree that's not producing good fruit. You're going to have a a life without a walk. You're going to have a faith without works. And they go together. They are self-justifying. They're self-reciprocating. They feed each other. I am encouraged when somebody offends me. And in love, I can, with the standing he's given me, forgive them. And then I can turn around and see that situation. And I can say, look, I walked in forgiveness. I am somebody who forgives. And not just because I'm saying it, but because I'm seeing it. And I'm doing it. And I'm walking it out. It is manifested. It's fruit. It's tangible. It's not a confession. It's here. And it starts with a confession. But let your confession turn into action. Let that word of Christ dwell in you richly and let it give expression in your life. Amen. I think part of the reason why, why we're so frustrated sometimes in our personal walk with the Lord is we leave it in a realm of faith and confession and theory. But we never translate some of those things for whatever reason we leave them in a a theoretical box like God is in the book and I have a confession and I pray. I'm here to preach obedience. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. It is, it is the end result. It is the fruit. It is the final period on the sentence that says, you finished it. You did it. Here it is. Here's the evidence. Your faith manifested something. You're walking in love with people. Your faith manifested something. You have peace in the middle of a crazy situation. And you can turn around and say, look, I, I have the peace of God because I walked in the peace of God. And it's, and it's the same thing. It's like, I can, if you ask me, are you a fly fisherman? Oh yeah, I am. I don't respond anymore. Like, well, I'm still learning. And someday, someday I'm going to run a marathon and you'll ask me, it's like, are you a marathon runner? Yes, I am. Cause I ran a marathon <laughs> and my works prove, see, and we want to have a life, not of hypocrisy, but that proves his word is alive today, today. Everybody say today. Right. Amen. That makes sense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, I'm almost done. This needs to take root in callings and visions. Everybody say visions. Callings and visions that God has given you. What is it that's on your heart right now that God has placed there that is a ministry that he's, he's birthing in you? That you want to see accomplished. And maybe it's a neighborhood thing. Maybe it's a city thing. What is it that God is putting in your heart? Now ask yourself the question. How long has it been in my heart? How long? And this is neither critical nor affirming. How long has it been in my heart? And how much fruit have I seen? How long has the vision that God has placed in my heart been in my heart? And how much fruit have I seen? See, because Paul's letters, when he would write to each one of the churches, he would show you 
And he would talk about all the fruit that was occurring because he was proclaiming the gospel in this place. And the, and, and they were gathering up money and, and serving the needs of Judea when they had that drought, you know. And, and there was fruit. And he's and there was fruit everywhere he went. He says, there's a door open here and we'd go in and people get saved and they'd plant churches. And then he'd send Titus and he'd establish elders. And he says, make sure they're preaching this and make sure they're teaching that and they're upholding good things. There was fruit. There was evidence of the vision the vision and the calling that God gave to Paul ended in things. Things happened. We got a book full of his works and his words. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to add to Scripture. I'm not, I'm not trying to... I'm just saying God has a calling for each and every one of you. And there's a reward for doing what God is asking you to do for the salvation of this place. Because this place needs God. There's crazy evil out there. There is. There, just, there is. And this place needs a savior. This, this place needs sin taken out of it. This place needs death taken out of it. And Jesus is here to do that. And you're his hands and feet. And if there is a vision that God has put in your heart, how does that vision come out of the realm of headspace and into the realm of Manifestation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When that lady grabbed hold of Jesus' garment, he didn't say, be comforted. God loves you. He said, your faith has made you whole. Something actually changed in her physical person. It wasn't just this declaration that was on until she died. Something actually changed. If God is giving you a vision for what you're called to do, something's actually going to happen. I have seen people, and, and I don't want to be one of these people. I have seen people and organizations keep their vision lofty without any kind of legs, and without any kind of plan, and without any kind of implementation, without any kind of doing, without any kind of obedience, without any kind of stepping things off and just waiting for God. God's giving it to you to do. Amen. And if there's a vision and a calling that God has put in your heart, let's get to business. Amen. I'm not saying that you should just quit your job and rush off to... I don't know, Timbuktu and hope for the best. But I am saying, let's not be slothful. Let's redeem the time. Let's be about his, his business like Jesus was about his father's business. Because there's important work to be done. And God has been wanting to do it for a long time. He's not interested in this town be, being addicted to methamphetamines. He's not interested in this town having... The suicides that it has. He's not interested in this town. Having the kind of problems that it has. He wants it healed. He wants revival here. And we're his hands and feet. Amen.